do it to the best of my ability because if I fail, that means I fail for my entire female nation, I call it. <laughs> is that possible? That was a question for myself. And it is absolutely possible. Good afternoon, Australia. Good evening, America, and welcome to the audience listening across the planet. A big hello to Germany, a smaller hello to Russia. I really hope you're listening to this inspirational radio show, TV show today. I'm Tony Lontis, and this is the Everyday Business Show, where we talk about life, love, universe, and business, and anything in between. If you're listening live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch, or Twitter, the lovely Payo in the Philippines is ready and waiting to answer your questions, give you the links to anything that we talk about today, and respond to anything you need to know. Please don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Tony Lontis on YouTube, and if you're watching this in replay on Binge Networks, Hero Go USA, or the Tiny TV channel app, thank you so much for listening today. Now, we've been doing a little welcome to country each and every show, and I think it's very important. It's part of an international movement that acknowledges the special and important role Indigenous communities play in the development of a country's cultural identity. So I want to respectfully acknowledge the people of the Yugamba language region, that's southeast Queensland, Gold Coast, Australia, the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast, and I pay my respect to the elders past and present and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders people here listening today. I'm excited, as you might um, know, uh, hear it in my voice. Our special guest today is Mr. Daniel Tolson, and he is incredible. But before I introduce you to Daniel, here's what you need to know. Daniel's goal is to help you accelerate and multiply your results. He's served as a consultant for more than 15,000 companies and individuals throughout Australia, New Zealand, Taiwan, Malaysia, Singapore, United Arab Emirates, Italy, Great Britain, Ireland and North and South America, which is incredibly impressive in its own right. However, as a business influencer, he impacts millions of people each year. He has studied, researched, written and spoken for over 20 years on the topics of time management, goal setting, strategic planning, sales IQ, business model innovation and emotional intelligence. Daniel is considered the world's number one business coach specialising in emotional intelligence with over 5,500 case studies into emotional intelligence in the last three years alone. He's written and produced more than 250 audio and video learning programs, which have influenced business owners around the world, including Mental Detox, Total Emotional Mastery, and Win Sales Now. 
Daniel speaks to corporate and public audiences on the subjects of emotional and social intelligence, including executives and staff of many of Australia's largest corporations. His interactive talks and seminars on selling with emotional intelligence, business model innovation, time management and the psychology of success bring about immediate improvements in productivity, performance and output. Prior to founding his own company, the Tolson Institute, Daniel was the leader of 17,000 cabin crew members for Emirates Airlines. He has had successful careers in real estate sales, marketing, pawnbroking, secondhand dealing, and as a former Australian champion, wakeboarder, and extreme games competitor. He has conducted high-level consulting assignments with many billion-dollar corporations in emotional intelligence and business model innovation. Daniel has travelled and worked in over 100 countries on six continents and lives in both Taiwan and Australia. He is happily married with two children. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Wow, Tony, thank you so much. A pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for your time. (laughs) I'm thrilled that I get to share you with my audience today and I wanted to start the talk about, um, uh, start our talk today about the emotional life journey and how we overcome those feelings of frustration and I thought we'd begin talking about the incredible diversity that you've had in your career before coming to the Tolston Institute. What's your favourite one uh, before company life? Before company life, my favourite job of all time would have been when I was working with Emirates Airline. I had the pleasure of moving to Dubai in 2008 and then served Emirates Airline till the end of 2012. And it was a phenomenal experience because I worked with 136 different nationalities. I was living in the world's most cosmopolitan city and it was in its growth stage. So I got to meet so many people, and being an Aussie, we live on a big island, but we're a small community, where here we're living in a small country, and there's a huge global population there. It was one of the best jobs I've ever had. Um, In terms of living in Dubai, how was it as an Australian living in Dubai? (laughs) Well, the first thing- Fun uh, comes to mind- Well, the first thing, I didn't even know where it was on the map. So I went to (laughs) Dubai in 2007, and uh, then I figured out, I knew there was a desert there, but I didn't realize the whole place was a desert. And I really didn't understand it was on the uh, peninsula of the Arabic Gulf. So when I got there, for me, it was uh, sun, fun, and sand. And I was over there coaching water sports. (laughs) So much sand. You you couldn't tell the difference between the sand from the desert and the sand on the beach. It was just (sighs) everywhere. So I went over there and I had a great time and I was coaching expatriates and the locals how to wakeboard. Being a former Australian champion, they wanted the best of the best there and they brought me over and I had fun in the sun. Beautiful time. And Daniel, they've got big water parks over there, haven't they? Huge, huge. They're investing uh, big money there. When you go to some of the beaches in Dubai like Lemur, you have Mm -hmm. never experienced a beach like this in your life. They've made a beach resort right on the Gulf, but you've got uh, Starbucks coffee. Like literally, you could throw your coffee in the water. It's that close to the beach. (laughs) You've got water parks right on the beach. You've got movie cinemas on the beach, restaurants on the beach. So it's like the world's five-star beach. It's phenomenal. 
Uh, I've yeah. never seen anything like it in Australia. You can't compare it to our beaches because it's totally yes. different. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of the living situation, um, you used to hear about some of the aspects of it not being safe. What did you feel, though, Daniel, You, from your perspective? <laughs> well, the first thing that comes into mind in terms of living aspects, the first time I went to Dubai, I uh, lived in my girlfriend's apartment. And yes. then a couple of years later, I met my wife and she yes. lived in the exact same apartment building. <laughs> so I felt like oh. I was just in the, the wrong room for a couple of years. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> in, in terms of safety, uh, my wife and I, we had a long distance relationship yes. and I lived 800 metres down the street from her. However, <laughs> at 55 degrees in the summer, it was impossible to walk 800 metres. So I'd have to catch a taxi 800 metres down the street. Now, you couldn't comprehend that in Australia. No, no. But uh, that being said, it's it's safe. Uh, the rules Good. are tough and people know the laws. So yes. if you mess with the law, uh, you're, there's, in you're in trouble. It's, it's zero tolerance. Uh, there's no drinking in public. Uh, there's yep. no being drunk on the streets. And if you yep. break the laws, the law is heavy-handed, and that's what makes it a safe place. So yes. I remember stories, if you left your wallet on the ground, you'd come back and it would be there. And it was like that. I could sit there with an open wallet of cash. I could leave my keys, my mobile phone, anything on a table, walk away, come back, and it'd still be there. Oh, that's actually pretty pretty good to hear that um, because, as I said, sometimes you hear the not-so-good things, but um, I'm curious always to see the positive in, in places. Now, um, I want you to tell the audience about the reasons that led to the formation of your company and what you were doing at that time because it's a great story. Have you ever had a telephone call at 4 a.m. in the morning and it's good news? Yeah. Well, my phone rang at 4 a.m. in the morning and the voice on the other end of the phone said, Daniel, this is the duty controller. Now, when I used to get a phone call at 4 a.m. in the morning, I was involved in peer support and critical yeah. incident stress management. So if yeah. there's an aircraft disaster, myself and my team are called and we're deployed onto these assignments where there's definitely deaths. Mm. However, he said, this is not a duty call. And I thought to myself, well, if it's not a duty call, what is it? And he said, it's your fiance. She's been involved in an accident. Oh, so he, and, I, and, you, and you kind of try to process it at four o'clock in the morning. And you're trying to yeah. process that. And he said, look, just come down to the Landside Hospital. So I went down to the Landside Hospital and there's my fiance uh, in a cast from her ankle to her hip. And she had an accident coming in uh, to Dubai International oh. Airport. So she fractured her kneecap. And then for the next two and a half years, she's in uh, three major surgeries and rehabilitation. Yeah. So that was that turning point in my life. And I thought to myself, I'd already started studying psychology and coaching. Mm. And then after probably about a year of going through therapies, I came home one night. So I would fly all around the world. Yeah. And I was on a long haul flight. And these flights could take me around the world for seven days. And I came oh. home, I'm fatigued, I'm jet lagged, I'm still in my uniform, I got my suitcase, cat meets me at the door, where's wife? Mm. And she's in the kitchen there, sitting on the ground, she's got a knife in her hand. <gasps> and I said, what's happening? And she just burst out in tears. She says, I want this to be over. I've gone through enough oh. mental and emotional pain. I want to end my life. And so it's scary. You don't know what to do. Yeah. You're not equipped for these dramatic moments. She's yeah. obviously felt isolated and no, nobody's got a strategy. So I thought to myself, well, um, 
well, let's see how good this coaching stuff is. Let's see how good this emotional intelligence stuff really is. And maybe this is the best case study I can ever have. So through operations for two and a half years, uh, finally she is looking healthy. And then the company says, look, um, we're going to have to resign you from your position. And you're terminated from employment. And at that stage, she was four months pregnant. So the stress went up. And she'd come close to having three miscarriages. So she was bleeding a lot and the stress was high. So we're going through that and I'm also have just been promoted to be a senior flight steward, which co-leads a team of 17,000 people. I've just got to this uh, peak in my career where I've got to the ultimate level. And now my wife's sick, she's lost her job, she's miscarrying, and now I'm worried about the survival of my daughter. So... I had a choice. Um, I keep flying and risk not being there for the birth of my daughter or I leave my job to be with my daughter. So it was a tough decision. And with what we'd been through, uh, we were ruined financially, um, emotionally, we were a wreck. And I had to make the choice. And I said to my wife, I said, look, the most important thing for me is that I'm there for the birth of Nikita. But it means I've got to leave my job. So we've got no income. We're new parents, and it's the end of 2012, and we've just moved from Dubai, which we called home, back to Taiwan, and we moved in with her grandmother. So we're leaving with a grandmother, no money, no jobs, and uh, it just went downhill from there. Oh, Daniel. So we, we we get into 2012. I'm angry. I'm resenting her because for two and a half years I've focused on her. Uh, I've resigned from my job. I start applying for jobs. Uh, I'm trying to build my business. Nobody's taking me serious. And I think by the middle of the year, I'd already applied for 300 jobs. But people said, and this is where the past comes back to haunt you, I I had a lot of learning disabilities and I dropped out of school. And now in uh, 2013, everybody wants a certificate. Where's your university degree? Where's your college degree? I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't speak the language and I can't get a job. My business is not working. I'm thinking, how do I go back to this job, but I can't get it back? And then I said to my wife one day, middle of 2013, I said, I can't breathe. And she said, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. I said, it must be a lung infection. That's all I could think of. So she took me down to the hospital. They did their x-rays, did their scans, and they said, Mr. Tolson, your lungs are fine. It's all in your mind. Ouch. And I thought, oh, my gosh, with everything that I know about emotional intelligence, you're telling me it's in the mind? So they say, you need to go and see the psychologist. So the psychologist said, Daniel, with everything you've been through, you're depressed. You're angry, which is a sign of depression. And you've got this extended sadness. You're grieving the loss of that life you had. Mm. You're grieving the loss of your career. You're grieving the loss of your income. Your business is not working. You're depressed. Mm. And um, they said, take these tablets. Now, I was opposed to taking tablets, but it was the only resource I had. So I took the tablets and I just felt like a zombie. (laughs) I still had the same head noise. But the body's numb. And so we struggled for that whole year. We spent all of our savings. And then it was probably about October, September, October. I said to my wife, I said, look, it's not going to work here in Taiwan. I said, the only solution I have now, I've got no money. Uh, We've got a one-year-old daughter coming up. We've got to move back to Australia. And I said, the reason why we have to go to Australia is at least if we go there, we can go onto social security. I said, I'm really sorry that this is the man that you've married. And it's quite embarrassing because you're you're newlyweds, you've got a baby, 
come back to Australia straight on Social Security. However, I I felt good about it because I'd paid my taxes for you for years. Yeah, I'd been a good citizen, and it was a resource that our blessed country provides for us. And I knew that if I could just get enough money just to survive, uh, we moved in with my grandmother. So now you know, you're, you're 34, living with your grandmother. You, you're married for a couple of years. <laughs> hey, welcome to the family. <laughs> Apologies for that. And then uh, we lived at my grandmother's house. And I got the money from the government, and I just started knocking on doors. I knocked on doors around Sydney all day. And then after 100 days, I made my first $100,000 in business. And I thought to myself, yes, finally got it. And I started to employ, started to build a team of salespeople, started to buy technology and equipment, hired an office. July comes around, market just went flat. People wouldn't pick up the calls, couldn't get an appointment, and I've just brought all these people in. And for the next two months, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. So we're now uh, August uh, 2014, and I said to my wife, I'm really sorry but we have to sell everything. So I just bought a new car. I'm selling the new car. Uh, I bought toys like bikes and surfboards. I'm selling all that. I'm selling my wetsuit. I'm selling my studio equipment just so we can afford to pay off these debts and move back to Taiwan. So we go back to Taiwan. We're living with the grandparents again. (laughs) And now it gets worse because the only thing I can do there is teach English, but I never graduated from high school. So English was my worst subject. I had learning disabilities, and now I'm teaching English. And the reason why I got the job was because I had the blue passport. They <laughs> said, if you got a blue passport, okay. come and teach kids English. And I did that as my side hustle. And then at nighttime, I was moonlighting with another job, teaching adults English. Mm-hmm. And then I started to write books. I thought, I've got to get my uh, ideas on paper. And you know, the ideas started to flow on paper. And nobody bought the books. (laughs) That was the funny thing. Nobody bought the books. But one lady, she read it and she went, oh, that's really cool. And then she hired me as a consultant. And I went, this is not a book. This is marketing copy. So I started to give it out to people. And people read the book and they went, oh, thanks. Can we hire you? (laughs) So the business started to grow rapidly. And we started to get those gains. 2016 comes around. Uh, I I acquire uh, 1,300 clients just that year alone. It starts to scale and grow. I'm operating in uh, Taiwan, Sydney, the Middle East. I've got a business built in the UK serving clients there. I'm flying backwards and forth from America. And then it just started to snowball. We had all those contractions and then we had Mm -hmm. that big expansion. Oh, that's, that's amazing, Daniel. That's so encouraging to hear that from all of those things that went wrong and didn't go right, at one point, it started to go very, very, very right. Um, and you absolutely would have known that you were on this earth to talk about emotional intelligence. Um, and I'm guessing that that it drew, that subject drew you to it based on your knowledge and experience and wisdom. Uh, what is it that we need to keep, why is it that we keep getting drawn back to this conversation about emotional intelligence? Why is it so important for us to learn? The, the most important part about emotional intelligence, and I, I didn't know how to articulate it. See, at age 11, my body collapsed. I was running around, my legs would collapse. I had constant oh. nosebleeds. My teachers are saying, Daniel doesn't pay attention. If he only tried hard enough, he'd be a good student. 
And then I get diagnosed with linear sequential learning disability. So I've had learning disabilities my whole life and they haven't picked it up till age 11. Uh, so it's year four, year five. And so I had to go into remedial therapy. And for five years, they had to retrain my brain. And then after five years, I just kind of got good. And then I got Epstein-Barr virus, chronic fatigue, teenage chickenpox. 17 comes around and they say, Daniel, um, I think it's best that you just leave school because there's no way you can catch up. And so you leave school and and then you say, okay. is terrible. Oh, it's a shocker. Debilitating. It's a shocker. You you sleep for uh, 16 and 17 hours a day. Everything you contract. And you just get sick and then you think, okay, I'm going to leave school. Life's going to get good. Uh, the following two years, I have two major knee surgeries and spend two years in and out of uh, rehabilitation. <laughs> and so Gosh. what did I learn in the first 19 years? Um, it was resiliency. <laughs> and and I didn't realize that resiliency is a key factor of emotional intelligence. I had Definitely. just learned to roll with the punches. I got knocked down. I got back up. As soon as I got back up, I got hit harder. I'd stand up again. And I was like a boxing bag. Life just kept punching me, but I just kept rolling with those punches. And so why do we need to, why do we need it in our life? Why do we need emotional intelligence? Well, as soon as you get into business, you realize there's no guarantees. You start to realize that you've got a beautiful idea that can change the world and nobody listens to you. You take your ideas to your family and they say, can't you just play it safe? Don't do it now. It's COVID-19. Just wait till the economy gets better. So the people that you love the most don't support you. Your friends don't buy from you. They don't support you. You mention what you're doing and they drift off into outer space. And then you go and knock on doors. And all of a sudden, you start to hear this word no. And it's the word no that triggers the fear of rejection. So now you're in business. You think you're going to sell this product and service and make a million dollars, and all you ever hear is no, 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 no. And this is where you need that resiliency. And so now you've got to face these inner battles, and that's the emotional intelligence. It's being able to uh, be aware of the emotions that you're experiencing. Secondly, it's about being able to regulate that emotion. Mm. And then thirdly, it's being able to stay true to course when everything's not going your way. And in times like a pandemic through COVID-19, we're going to see more rejections. We're going to have more failure. There's going to be more obstacles. There's going to be more challenges. And the solution is more resiliency. Mm. I agree. I, I, if anything that the pandemic has showed up is that you need to develop those resiliency skills because life will just keep coming at you and the pandemic in particular you you saw people's lack of resilience and lack of emotional intelligence quite clearly across the planet it it, it didn't miss anyone did it daniel it, it it showed up the elements that we've not been focusing on with people's inability to adapt to the changing conditions and people's outrage at simple things like wearing a mask etc 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 that's resilience that's adaptability and we should be taking on those lessons rather than wholeheartedly rejecting them, shouldn't we? Well, when the world is fighting over toilet paper, yes, you know we've got problems. <laughs> if that's the biggest thing that you're going to fight over, you know, through COVID-19, a lot of people are struggling not just with what they've lost now, but also with mm. what they lost in their future. Yes. And that's what happened to me when I... Grief uh, of the future. And, 
yeah, that's when I ended my career at Emirates Airline. I still had that growth in my mind. I had all the next goals, all the things that I was going to do. But I walk away from the job and then I grieve the loss of my future. And that was painful because everything that I wanted, everything where I was going to go now doesn't exist anymore. And I've got to reinvent myself. So you ask yourself the question, who am I? What value do I bring? Do I have as much value as I actually thought I did? Yeah. And then the fears, the doubts, the yeah. second guessing yeah. creeps in. But you've got yeah. to stay true to course. And there's yeah. there's no external answer. The answer's got to come from within. Nobody can tell you what to do. You've got to find it within. Mm, absolutely. Daniel, with all of the um, bad times, you've also experienced incredible success. And I'm wondering if you can quickly share with us your five principles of success that would be a whole show in itself but for the audience today can you just quickly sh share those five principles with us i'll summarize I'll, I'll summarize my book the five principles of success and we'll do it on five fingers yeah when i looked at the lives of successful people all successful people did five things first of all they were very clear on their outcomes they knew what they wanted in the immediate short medium and long-term future and yeah. they were very clear on that. And then the super successful had a very long-term vision, something that was 25 and 30 years out in the future. So the first one is you've got to know what you want. The second thing is that all successful people are highly action-oriented, and they take incremental steps every single day. Successful yeah. people don't go from 1 to 100 yeah. straight away. Successful people go from 1 to 2, and they just consistently take one step ahead every day. And successful people will say, inch by inch, it's a cinch, mm -hmm. but by the yard, it's hard. Mm -hmm. The third principle of success is having sensory acuity. Sensory acuity helps you understand when you're heading in the right direction and when you're heading in the wrong direction. And if you're just one degree off course every day for one year, you'll go around and you'll go around yeah. in a full circle and you'll come back to where you started from. where you started. And I've done that a million times, and it's not where you want to be. But it's only one degree. You know, talking about temperature, if the temperature mm. goes up by one degree, you won't even notice. If it drops by one degree, you won't even notice it. So if you're just one degree off track every day, you won't realize you're heading in the wrong direction. The fourth principle of success is what we call behavioral flexibility. And this is what the world needs now. It's about getting out of our comfort zone. It's about reinventing ourselves, And then fifthly, it's operating from a psychology of excellence. Mm. What we've got to understand is that every thought that goes into our mind influences our behavior. Yeah. The first thing we've got to understand is that 70% of our thoughts are counterintuitive to what we want to do. We say, I want to be a millionaire. The next thought comes in, do you deserve to be a millionaire? Your parents have never been a millionaire. You're not educated. You've got nothing of value. So 70% of the thoughts are counterintuitive to what we want. So we've got to get back to the thing that we want and we have to focus stubbornly on that one yes. thing, that one goal. And if we do that, then we can create success in all areas of our life, whether it be with our family and friends, our career or our customers financially or within the body and health. And they're the five principles we need. Daniel, thank you so much. That's wonderful insight and great takeaways for the audience today. Um, I'm pondering on um, a term that says the future intent determines present action. How does that motivate you? <laughs> 
Future intent determines present action. What I learned about successful people is two characteristics. They're intensely goal-focused and they're intensely action-focused. And if you have a goal, it means you have a future. And if you focus on that goal, you're focusing on your future. However, most people don't have a goal, which unfortunately means they have no future. And then we tie into that, you become what you think about most of the time. If you focus on nothing, you become nothing. Become nothing. But if you focus on the future, you start to build those foundations under your future every single day. So yeah. future intent determines present action. If you're clear on where you're going, you've got clarity of mind and you're willing to take that next step. Fantastic. Um, Daniel, We um, in reading your um, information, there was a point where I read about the four silent fears. What are they? First I know one, what my fears are, but, but what are the generalised four fears we all face? First one is a fear of being taken advantage of. And you know you're experiencing that when you experience anger. You start to get angry and frustrated. That's the call sign. It normally happens when you're just about to put it back down. You, you put your hand up and you ask for help. And the reason why so many business people don't ask for help is they're afraid that they're going to be taken advantage of. A yeah. perfect example is my parents were business people, but they were self-employed. And they would drill into me and my brother, don't employ people, don't hire people. They'll come in, they'll steal your money, they'll steal your ideas, they'll set up in opposition. And that's the perfect example of having a fear of being taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. Now, you might not be a business owner, but you may be a leader. And mm -hmm. leaders are afraid to delegate just in case somebody takes advantage of them. What if I delegate? This person does a better job than me and all mm -hmm. eyes are on them. So they fear that. And then finally, it stops people asking for help. This is a big problem in Australia because we have the tall yeah. poppy syndrome. <laughs> I was going to bring it back to that, Daniel. We've had Drop them off at the head. lots of discussions about Australians' propensity for the poor, tall poppy syndrome and cut everyone off at their legs. Yes, please so, talk. So Aussies say, I don't, want to be a, I don't want to be singled out. I want to fly under the radar. And so they're afraid of asking for help. The problem if you don't ask for help is you've got to learn the hard way. I have ideas that I've been applying for 25 years. If you came to me, I could give you these ideas in a condensed version in an hour. It could save you 25 years of learning. Yeah. But we're afraid to ask for help. So what happens is we go on this journey and we have to make all the mistakes. We have to mm. cross all the obstacles by ourselves, and it takes you an extra 25 years to achieve your goals. <laughs> yes. That's yes. painful. Yes. The, the second one is the fear of rejection. Nobody mm. wants to be judged. And again, people don't ask for help because they don't want to be judged. And, and they feel like um, an imposter. What if I ask for help, somebody asks questions and I can't answer it, and then they criticize or judge me? And this happens even with what we're doing today. A lot of people have these ideas. They have the cure for cancer, but they're so afraid to talk about it in case they get singled out and get judged on their ideas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So because of the, the path of least resistance, they say, well, I don't want to experience rejection, so I'm just going to take the cure of cancer to the grave and everybody can miss oh, out. Yeah. But that's an internal conflict in and of itself. Mm. That's the second one. The third one is the fear of losing our stability. You know, we say here in Asia, it's the fear of having our rice bowl taken away from us. You know, yeah. what if I 
do start my own business? And what if the market doesn't turn out to be as good as I expected and I get no income? And so all of a sudden, because of that fear, I'm just going to stay parked in this job for a couple of more years. I'm not going to invest in myself because of that fear of losing my stability. And that's probably one of the greatest ones. And the biggest one that was triggered off during COVID was the fear of losing our financial stability. Oh, definitely. So yeah. instead of growing and expanding, we went into a contraction and we started to hold on to everything rather than investing it. The fourth silent fear is, in my opinion, for a lot of people, they see it as perfectionism, but oh. it's a fear of trying and failing. So yeah. they say to themselves, if I can't do it, Right, I won't do it. If I can't do it 110%, there's no 110%. If I can't do it 110%, I'm not going to do it. And it sets them up for failure immediately. They'll go do all the research. They'll go do all the study. And then they'll get paralysis via analysis. And they, at the end of the day, they say, I can't handle trying and failing. So I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. And it keeps them stuck. So they're the fig, four big silent fears that all of us go through on our journey. Yeah. Um, I know from my perspective, I had, had to do a lot of work around that perfectionistic ideal. And um, I've read a lot of uh, Brene's, Brene Brown's work around perfectionism and why it shows up in your life. And I had to learn that sometimes it's about the momentum and keep moving forward and it doesn't have to be perfect. It's never, life is never going to be completely perfect so just show up keep going keep doing it and it will get better as you go along everything is a work in progress isn't it daniel and i'm sure that's true for you even today yep well i i would have pride i would have had pride in my own characteristics that i wasn't a perfectionist but i remember yeah. sitting in this studio tony and i would retake the same video 30 times because i heard a little bit of spittle in my mouth or I might have sneezed or I might have blinked at the wrong time and because I'm looking for this perfectionism I'd sit mm -hmm. here till two and three o'clock in the morning to create a video but it was all that perfectionistic behavior that was driving it so I should have just done the video in one take but now I've taken away time from the family I've yes. taken away time from my health and I'm still sitting here at three o'clock in the morning filming the same video but in my mind it's like a movie. It it's a Hollywood perfect. blockbuster and people are going to watch it on replay. <laughs> people watch the video once and they move on. And when you breathe, they just accept that's part of it. <laughs> but mm. in the perfectionist mind, these mistakes are magnified and that's they the are. danger. So magnified. You think that, that if you don't do it right, that your whole world will collapse when in fact in business, and I take it back to one of my thoughts uh, from my nursing years we're not doing heart surgery we're not saving lives it's just business it doesn't have to be perfect you just have to show up the people that need to see it the people that need to hear it the people that need to interact with you they'll get the message and it's not about being perfect but yes Daniel huge struggles for me within that realm and it's good to know that other incredibly successful business people like yourself also have struggled struggled in that realm um, one of the other things that um, I found interesting when I was looking through and prepping for this interview was how you're using artificial intelligence to predict personality characteristics now I have a great and abiding passion with technology and in particular artificial tech 
uh, intelligence. And indeed, on Sunday, a Saturday rather, in Sydney, I listened to a guy talking about um, our digital twin and the concept that artificial intelligence could replicate us, our thought passion, uh, patterns, the way that our personality works, etc., etc., and they could respond and work 24 hours a day and you could just do your uh, normal whatever hours you did and your digital twin would continue, particularly in business, running your business. So I'm really excited to ask you this question. How does artificial intelligence, uh, how do you use it to predict personality characteristics? We use it in a, a, a small area just for emotional intelligence. So we've got to understand the community. The, the communities we live in, 85% of people claim to be emotionally intelligent. 85 people, 85% of people say, I'm emotionally intelligent. But the truth is only 10 to 15% of them actually are. Now, what causes wow. that? Wow. Isn't that scary? Wow. So what that is, it's a bias. So if I think I'm emotionally intelligent, then I'm biased. But the statistics are that only 10 to 15% are. So in the past, what we used to do, we used to use a paper-based assessment to measure emotional intelligence. So you'd ask somebody to sit down, go through a paper-based assessment, and then would calculate their levels of emotional intelligence. But you're going to produce inconsistent results if 85% of the population think they're emotionally intelligent. Now, the yeah. first pillar of emotional intelligence is self-awareness, and it's having an accurate self-concept. And most people don't. So the beautiful part about this technology today is on your iPhone, you install an app, mm -hmm. and then you can count from 1 to 100. You can read a page of the newspaper, and then the technology measures the brainwave frequencies coming out of the voice. So like sunlight, UV rays, they're invisible. Microwaves are invisible. Uh, radio waves are invisible. But yes. through this technology, it measures your brainwave frequencies. And... Each emotion has its own frequency. So love has a frequency of 500 hertz. Shame has a frequency of 30 hertz. And you can measure it in the voice. So you get a voice recording, 90 seconds, and it can measure 1,441 emotional triggers. Now, the beautiful part about these emotional triggers is that these emotional triggers are active in the amygdala, which is a part of the brain that stores emotional memory. So when I'm using this AI technology, I can map out somebody's emotional life journey from the final trimester in the womb. Oh my god! To their current age. This is incredible. So I can see if there's where the traumas have been in these people's lives, and we can target that key area for therapy. Now, based oh, on these, that's amazing. One, it's phenomenal. Based on these 1,441 triggers, I can also predict the people who have contemplated suicide. Mm. So when people come in, I can look at their emotional graph and it tells me who has or who has not considered suicide. And I can mm. target that as a thought. It also mm. shows me their personality types. And there's nine different styles of personalities on the Enneagram. And it tells us which of the Enneagram styles you are. And then yeah. once we've got that, you know who you are and there's yeah. no bias because yeah. you might have counted to 100, you might have read a page in the book, you've said nothing, you've answered no questions. It's based on your frequency. And I know one of your other guests has talked about frequency before. Yes. Now we map it 
using AI. Yes. And our clients are totally blown away. They say, Daniel, this has brought back into our conscious awareness traumas that we have repressed for our entire life. Mm-hmm. And it's Powerful a beautiful stuff. piece of technology. Daniel, now I'm getting really excited. So how do people connect and um, get access to this piece of technology? Come and visit me, danieltolson.com. Come straight to my website, say hello, Fantastic. write me a message and come and learn about what we're doing. It's I've got it here. It's, yes, it's got please. a mind report and mm-hmm. it tells us how our brain is processing emotions. It tells us about our stress. It shows us our emotional life journey, our characteristics, our frequent and core emotions. And you will learn more about yourself in a 15-page report than you would in 40 or 50 years of life. It's phenomenal. Daniel, that's powerful stuff. And I get incredibly excited about where technology is taking us in terms of our ability to really understand what drives us and and the end result of that is of course we have humanity uh, living and vibrating at a higher level we have greater outcomes we have less of the bad stuff and I like to actually believe that that's where we're heading as humanity and I'm so excited that I asked that question about artificial intelligence so Dan DanielTolson.com, for those of you listening, jump on the website and engage with Daniel and the team and find out how it works. Now, before we run out of time, I wanted to talk, you've got um, a program called Explode into 2022. Can you tell us about that? Future intent determines present action. And if we know where we want to be at the end of 22, and then we can explode into the year and we can start taking action towards their goals. So what we do in this program is we use science to look at all of your skills. And then we put a blueprint together on the skills that you need to develop to pay the bills in 2022. And a lot of people, they make the mistake, they can spend a whole year developing the wrong skill. And at the end of the year, they go around in a circle and they come back to the beginning where we will use uh, like a scientific report and we'll have a look into people's core competencies. There's Mm -hmm. 25 universally recognized skills, and these are the most important ones for success in personal and professional life. And you've got to discover which is the one that you need to develop this year, and then you put your blueprint into place. And the interesting thing is if you just improve your performance by 1% per month, because the mm-hmm. compounding effect, by the 10th month, by October this year, you'll double your performance. Now, if you double your performance, most people also double their income. So we're teaching them how to develop themselves, and the reward is financial. So you go in, you work on yourself, you become more valuable, and because we live in a society that rewards contributions, then you start to make more money. And that's what we want. We want to explode into 2022. Definitely. We uh, I, part of what um, Daniel wants to do is is for people to absolutely rise up and live that abundance and beautiful and wonderful and fulfilling life and that that vision for your own life is completely unique to you like Daniel's and my visions are not the same but we're both working towards our best results and being our best selves Daniel um the um, Explode into 2022 is available for anyone. It's not just about business. It's about anyone wanting to um, increase their success in life, generally speaking. Yep. One, one of the things with goal setting, goal setting is the master skill of success. 
Goal setting also includes time management. And if we mm. can't manage our time, we'll never be able to manage our life. So it's understanding how we should be using our time. So if you're just beginning on the journey, I can help you. And if you're already successful, we can help you become more successful and show you how to explode into the new year. Yeah. Daniel, you also work with people from across the globe. So this is not just Australian specific. It's not American specific. It's across the whole globe, isn't it? It is. I, I consult with a um, multiple uh, billion dollar business in America. I've got companies that I'm working with in India. I've got companies I'm working with in Australia, Taiwan, yeah. Malaysia, United Arab Emirates, and also the United Kingdom. So I'm very blessed to work across fields and also across the globe. I'm curious, is Taiwan kind of a central space to, to uh, have a platform basis? So is it kind of central from your perspective to reach out to the globe from Taiwan? Um, I know that your wife's got background in Taiwan. Yeah? <laughs> central to my spirituality. Okay. The most important part. So people say, what's Taiwan like to live in? I say, it's loud. Yes. <laughs> now, I can't speak the language, but it's interesting. I've actually started to speak Chinese in my sleep. My wife woke me up <laughs> the other night. She said, husband, what are you doing? She said, you said, push it And I said, I don't know what I said. She said, you've been speaking Chinese in your sleep. So oh, my Taiwan goodness. is central for me, for my uh, spirituality. I believe Ooh. Taiwan and Dubai are my two belonging places. And I just yeah. feel really at home in these two areas. And that enables me to serve the world from here because I have peace of mind. That's the key thing for me, peace of mind. Yeah. Daniel, how did how did you discover the concept? How did you discover that those two places were your belonging places? This is I'm really curious about this because whilst I love Australia and call Australia home, there's often other places that I've been in the world where I just felt drawn to those places. Um, so I'm wondering about how that conversation happened or how that you gained that knowledge that Dubai and Taiwan were your belonging places. I think it was from growing up uh, at school and being told I was weird and I was different. Now, I didn't understand that that was actually a compliment. <laughs> and yeah. So at age 22, I went traveling and all those things that people say, Daniel's weird, he's strange. I started to get rewarded for this different personality outside wow. of my own country. And I think it was a bit of that tall poppy syndrome. I was mm -hmm. a three-time state mm -hmm. champion athlete. I was an Australian champion athlete. I was an extreme games competitor. I wanted to be the best, and that wasn't welcomed where I was living. So I went to travel, and all of a sudden, I got rewarded for these characteristics. I went to the UK. I went to America. I went and lived in the United Arab Emirates, and people welcomed that. And I was talking to my mum one day about it, and she said, you know, she goes, you read the Bible, right? And I said, yeah, you made me. She said, well, you remember Jesus? And I said, yeah, it's hard not to. And she said, well, in the Bible, it said a prophet has no honor in his own land. And she said, oh. Son, you might just have to travel the world. And one day when they're ready for you, then it'll be time to come back. Wow. wow. So I, I think it's part of my journey to live in a Muslim culture, yeah. to live outside of the world, to live in Asia. And mm -hmm. then when I do come back home eventually, they'll be ready for me. I'm ready for them. Ah. They've just got to be ready for me now. 
That's amazing that you say that because I often get asked why I um, base my business in the US, why I use US platforms. So as you know, um, you've heard TJ before the show, they're situated in Texas in the US. Mm. Um, I have to say it's completely empowering to work with a team at BBS uh, from Texas because they love what I do. They encourage me each and every week. And sometimes you don't get that in Australia. People, they either don't take you seriously, they don't give you value where you give immense value, and they devalue what you do as a as as a nonsense. And so I have to agree with you that sometimes you have to go out of your country and create something elsewhere for to build and grow a business. And I'm so glad that you shared that with the audience today, that your two belonging places are Abu Dhabi and um, Taiwan. And I think that as we get into the next 10 to 20 years, we'll find that more and more people leave their place of birth and create and find new spaces that feel like home. For instance, um, the first time I ever traveled to Scotland, I remember gliding in in the plane, landing in to Edinburgh um, Airport and the hairs across the whole of my body stood on end and I thought oh my god I'm coming home I'd never been to Edinburgh before and I was curious to ask you about that belonging because I'm wondering if you get the same bodily sensations when you're in either place that oh my god this is home Yep. I, I when I landed in to Dubai uh, International Airport for the first time and uh-huh. I walked out, there was two things I smelt. The first yes. one was BO. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to keep walking. The second one, it was like a sense of familiarity. It was like there was yeah. something, in, it was in the air and I went, this is right for me. And then my whole time in Dubai, I started to grow as a person. I started to show my true personality. And I didn't feel right. I had to hide anymore or hold back my views or my beliefs. And then people went, wow, this is fascinating. So instead of being punished for being different, you're rewarded for being different. Yeah. And even here okay. in Taiwan, I've done some mm-hmm. uh, great presentations on the stages of 500 people at a time. And they welcomed the new ideas. They spoke to me. They lined up to have photos. They were fascinated. Where I could speak to an audience of 500 people in Australia and they won't say anything at the end of the presentation. <laughs> Now, nothing against Aussies no, <laughs> at all. No, no, it's we just, love Aussies. It's, it's just, just where you belong. You got to, you know, the the Maoris call it a uh, tudonga wai wai, and it's your belonging place, and you must return to your belonging place. And for some of us, and we've got to remember, we are not a tree. We are not yeah. rooted into the ground. Yeah. We're like butterflies. We're free to travel and get the nice little bit of pollen from any plant we desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're free to travel almost now, really. <laughs> it's been two years of, of hardship. <laughs> two years. Can, I, can I tell you a story about travel yes, before we go? Yes, please. So one of, one of my uh, skills that comes from having learning disabilities is being having the ability to use hypnosis very, very mm. well. And I've hypnotized mm. groups of 500 to 1,300 people at a time. And my wife, she loves to travel. She says she's Gemini and she's got to travel, but she can't travel. Mm. So the other day I said, where do you want to travel? She said, I want to travel to Australia. And I said, well, let yeah. me do a hypnotic journey back to Australia. <laughs> so I got her to fly up in the air. She floated back to Australia. And I know she loves roast chicken. 
So I said, yeah. now I want you to imagine floating into Woolworths and seeing a roast chicken for $6.98. Yes. <laughs> and she's in this regression and she's imagining the smells of a roast chicken at Woolworths. And I said, now go to I Iowa. I can smell that now. You've dis- <laughs> now you've described that. I could, that's a distinct smell. Woolworths hot chooks. <laughs> And she's there, and I said, now go to aisle one and grab the bread. And I said, and as you're coming past the cosmetics, pick up a a, a bottle of lube and some condoms. <laughs> <laughs> and she woke up and said, husband, you're disgusting. And I said, but was it a good regression? And she said, it was the best, just for the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done. Well done. Daniel, before we run out of time, I want you to quickly tell the audience the best ways to connect with you. I want you to um, explain to them where they can get your book, Five Principles of Success, and how to get involved with the Explode 2022. And then finally, your tool for the artificial intelligence of um, people as well. Yes. Best place comes straight to my website, danieltolson.com. All the uh, links are on the front page. And if you just go Daniel Tolson Explode into 2022, you'll see uh, a link there to join the next event. And if you're on Facebook, come and join my group. It's called Accelerate and Multiply. We've got about 830 business people in there and success Mm -hmm. seekers. And every week I'm in there sharing new ideas and the podcasts that I've been on. And I know that our one will be featured in there as well. So that's Accelerate and Multiply. Daniel, thank you so much. Um, We have a couple of minutes left. I would like you to leave the audience with um, your hard-earned tips, three tips for life success in 2022. There's three requisites for change and you've got to do three things if you want to make a permanent change in your life the first one is you have to let go of your negative emotions we carry around our anger our sadness our fear our hurt our guilt we drag that emotional baggage into our future every single day so we've got to learn to let that go we also have to learn to let go our self-limiting beliefs and our self-limiting beliefs are those bs stories that we keep telling ourselves why we can't have what we want. I'm too old. I'm over-educated. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough time. Mm -hmm. But they're all just BS stories. So the first thing is we have to eliminate all of those. Secondly, we then have to enforce our boundaries. What enforcing our boundaries means is that if we make a promise to ourselves, we must keep the promise. Because a lot of us make promises, but we break our own promises and we stop trusting ourselves. Mm-hmm. then the doubts come back. Mm-hmm. So you've got to enforce your boundaries. And the other part of enforcing your boundaries is you must never allow somebody to tell you what you can't do. Nobody's oh, allowed yes. to tell you what you can't do. So you tell people you are not entitled to say that. And if you don't enforce that boundary and you accept what they say about you, unfortunately, uh-huh. it does become true because the unconscious mind just accepts it. If you don't challenge it, then it must be true. So, Daniel, that's as simple as saying you don't have the right to say that to me. Those simple words are enough to put that boundary around those words. Oh, my God, that's powerful. Stop. You have no right to say that about me. You are not a a, a, a soothsayer. <laughs> You're not doing divination. You're not going to press. in my shoes. My you future. haven't lived my life. You, you don't know who I am and what I'm made of. Yeah. And then thirdly... 
what you've got to do is you've got to take action. And you must take action every single day, and it just reinforces where you're going. And success is not something that you do once. It's something that you repeat multiple times. And once if you, you get the hang of it. That's it. And all you've got to do is create a success track record. Do one thing every day, and if you succeed every day, just one little thing, is in the end of the year, you're going to have that confidence. And if you've got the confidence, then you'll have that willingness to try everything. Yeah. And Daniel, it doesn't have to be a big thing. You know, um, when you were talking about your wife um, in that space where she was um, depressed and suicidal, I've been to that space. The one thing that my therapist told me was in this next minute, you have only have to breathe in and breathe out. And that's all I did. And sometimes that's all you have to do. Sometimes it's just the simplest thing, but do it every day, each and every day. Success begets success. Absolutely. Daniel Tolson, thank you so much for coming on um, Everyday Business with me and having such an amazing chat to my audience. We are very privileged to have you in our space today and we are eternally grateful. And that, my friends, is your lot for this week. We will be back next week with an equally powerful guest. But please thank Daniel Tolson. Jump onto that website, DanielTolson.com. Check out the amazing things that Daniel and his team have on offer and connect with Daniel himself. Thank you so much. And that is your lot for this week. Bye for now. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability because if I fail, that means I fail for my entire female nation, I call it. (laughs) Is that possible? That was the question for myself. It is absolutely possible.